was the very first church where I was a lead pastor, and the parsonage was a, a, a interesting home. It, if you would ask our kids today, they would probably say it was their favorite house we ever lived in. If you ask Jody and I, it's not even in the top five. But one of the things, it was an exciting home. We had critters in the walls who seemed to only get restless at night. We had critters come down the chimney. They just chose whenever they wanted to. But the most exciting thing about that house was we had incredible electricity. I mean, it was amazing. There were times when you flipped the light switch and the light didn't just come on, the light bulb exploded. And you knew it was time to change the bulb. When I told my dad that we were moving to another church after several years, and it was a wonderful ministry and awesome people, one of his comments to me was, he said, well, he said, I'm not going to have to be praying quite as much for you now. I go, what do you mean? He said, every day for all the years you've been there and living in that house and had my grandkids in that house, We've been praying that you wouldn't die in that house. It was an exciting place. But what was interesting was, my dad loved us. I already knew that. He prayed for us. I already knew that. I never thought about the fact that he was praying so fervently because of where we were. Now, we've been looking this calendar year at this theme, It's Time. And every week for the rest of this year, we're going to keep looking at It's Time for Something. Now, this morning's message title is, It's Time to Pray Boldly. The more appropriate title might be, It's Time to Feel Guilty. Because no matter what, whenever we look at, study, talk about prayer, inevitably, there's some guilt involved. I've never met anyone who told me, Pastor, would you pray for me? I've been praying too much. I've never had anybody come to the end of their life and say, you know, one thing I regret is how many hours I spent in prayer. I've heard the opposite. I'm not here to try to make you feel guilty. If the Holy Spirit does that, so be it. In fact, my goal is to encourage you, to motivate you, and to borrow a word, ignite something in you about praying. But notice I didn't say that this message is about it's time to pray. I said it's time to pray boldly. Because as I'm reading the scriptures, old and new, I keep seeing 
time after time where God did something bold. And there were people praying boldly. And I'm studying revivals and I'm seeing how they prayed. And they weren't praying casually or nonchalantly. They were praying passionately and boldly. Just like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 85, Lord, revive us again. To pray for revival, to pray for an igniting of our souls is a bold prayer. And my challenge to you, if you remember nothing else this morning, is to pray and pray boldly. Perry Noble wrote a number of years ago, may we not be found guilty of safe, small, and manageable thinking when God is able to do immeasurably more. I would paraphrase that to say, may we not be found guilty of safe, small, and manageable prayers when God is able to do immeasurably more. T.S. Eliot said, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far they can go. I would paraphrase that to say, only those who risk praying too boldly could possibly find out how bold God really is. It's time to pray and to pray boldly, passionately, courageously, and yes, more. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, I invite you to turn with me. The New Testament, that's in the back half. The book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We're going to be referencing three sections. I'm not going to read all of this to you. But I encourage you sometime today, this week, to read all these passages. But I do want to read the passage in Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. It says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now this was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Verse 5, but earnest prayer was made... For him by the church. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. Do any of you have trouble sleeping? Do you complain about your pillow, the mattress, the temperature, how much light's in the room, how much your spouse snores? Peter was in prison about to be executed, he was chained 
to guards, and he was snoozing like a baby. Talk about being comfortable in your relationship with Christ. But while Peter is snoring, I'm pretty sure he was, it says, Behold, an angel, this is verse 7, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did as he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. He went out and followed him and he did not know what, what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to an iron gate leading into the city and it opened for them of its own accord. They went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and all that the Jewish people were expecting. Verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Time out. This is the middle of the night. And he knew that they were still praying. Verse 13, he reached, when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They, those gathered to pray, praying for his release, said, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. Now, let me just insert, I would have just run out if I thought it was his angel. I don't recognize too many angels very often, unless maybe they're playing baseball. They said to her, you're out of your mind. She kept insisting it was so. They kept saying it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, tell these things to James and the brothers. And he departed and went to another place. They were praying all night for Peter's release. But they weren't believing about Peter's release. You ever prayed without believing? Me too. It's time to pray boldly. And not only to pray boldly, but to expect that God's going to do some bold stuff. Because that's what God does when we invite him to. Every revival movement has always started with some people praying for it. It's time to pray and to pray boldly. Now, we recognize, or at least I sure think we should, that it's time, but let me give you some examples from the scripture. 
it's time to pray boldly because number one, there is great pain in our world. None of us are going to argue with that. You look at the headlines, just go to the store and listen. You hear pain. Talk to friends, you hear pain. Listen to the news, it's nothing but pain. There is great pain in our world. There was at this time. Those first four verses of chapter 12 talk about the fact that Herod was arresting believers, having them killed because it made people happy. Talk about pain. Peter, the leader of the church at that time, was arrested because he figured that would be a big win. There's great pain in our world today. You go into Acts 16 and see about Paul and Silas. And they were arrested and what was going on in their place at that time. There is great pain. Then there is great pain today. That should drive us to our knees in prayer. Secondly, it's time to pray boldly because there are great opportunities available. Wherever there's pain, there is opportunity. Wherever there's a need, there is opportunity. God never wastes a hurt. We shouldn't either. When we find people in pain, we should care about them and the pain. We should care for them, reach out to them, and be praying for that. And it invites us into an opportunity we never saw until then. There are great opportunities around us. Paul and Silas were in prison. They were in chains as well, just for believing, just for practicing what God had told them and Jesus had taught them to practice. And in the midst of that, they led the jailer and his family to the Lord. There is great opportunity around us. People are hurting, and when they're hurting, they're seeking. And when they're seeking, they are open we have a tendency to think if somebody's hurting, they're not. When they're hurting, they're open. At first, all it is is, please help me relieve my pain. And our world is offering them solutions that don't work. All it does is cover up, mask, and end up, end up increasing their pain. We have great opportunities. And God desires to meet those needs. We need to believe that. We need to preach that. We need to share that. God desires to meet the needs of those in pain. And surprising as it is, he desires to meet those needs through us. I know it doesn't make sense because we know us, right? It doesn't make sense that he wants to use you for this. It doesn't make any sense he wants to use me either. But he does. He wants to meet these needs and he wants to do it through us. It's not going to happen unless we're praying <coughs> and praying boldly. Also, it's time to pray boldly because our God is able. Our God is able. You go, able to do what? Yes. He's able to do whatever is needed. That's who we serve. That's the God who created us and has called us. We must believe that God is able 
or prayer is a waste of time and breath. If you don't believe God is able, why would you pray? But God is able. He's able, in fact, as Ephesians 3.20 says, to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And we need to believe that God is able. And because of that, there is no need for us to reserve resources of God or for God. Because he's got plenty more. In fact, you cannot outgive God in time, in money, in prayer, in anything. And he always just keeps supplying what is needed. Martin Luther on one occasion said, I have so much to do, I need to pray an extra three hours today. We have a tendency to say, I have so much to do, I better get started, and if anything's left over, I'll pray. Martin Luther's way works better. God's resources are limitless. George Mueller, who for 50 years led an orphanage in England and also pastored a church and all kinds of other things, he never once asked for donations for that orphanage. He just prayed them in. On more than one occasion, he sat the kids down for a meal and there was no food. He sat them down and said, now let's give grace for the food we're about to eat. <laughs> and there was no food. And as he thanked God for God's provision, the door, there was a knock at the door. Two different times. Someone out there who had felt led by the Lord and another time their vehicle had broken down, ironically, right in front of the orphanage. And it was full of food that was going to spoil. Could you use it? God's resources are limitless. And so often we pray as if God doesn't care, isn't able, and doesn't have much to provide. It's time to pray boldly. Our God is able. It's also time to pray boldly because Jesus did. You ever read the prayers of Jesus? Man. I mean, on one occasion, he simply prayed over a kid's lunch and fed everybody. Buffet style. And had more left over than they started with. Now, you can go to Pizza Ranch or anywhere around here, Asian Buffet, and try that. It doesn't work. Plus, you might get arrested. But it always works with God. You go, ah, I prayed and he didn't meet the need. Maybe it wasn't the need that needed to be met. Maybe there was a different need. But Jesus prayed boldly. We're to follow him. Jesus prayed boldly for people to be healed and they were healed. He prayed boldly for homes to be changed and it was. We need to follow his example. Our God is able. The opportunities are here. There's great pain in our world. And God's resources are not going to run out. So how do we pray boldly? Number one, we need to pray with passion. I sometimes wonder what God thinks of our prayers. Especially when we're yawning while we pray. Now when you're tired, you know, okay. But I think sometimes we're yawning during we pray because we don't believe what we're praying. We don't believe God's really able. 
I also think sometimes God's going, that's all you got? Really, you came to me with this? You don't have something else to pray about? Now, everything's worthy of prayer. There are no small needs. But what about praying for the miraculous? What about praying for the great needs and praying with passion? Notice in this passage of Scripture, in verse 5 of Acts chapter 12, Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was being prayed. That's passion. Earnest prayer. And they were praying all night. That's passion. We need to learn to pray boldly and we need to start by caring about what we're praying about and those we're praying for. Verse 12. (laughs) When Peter realized God had miraculously brought him out of prison, where did he go first? To those he knew were praying. It wasn't just when we lived in that first parsonage that I would talk to my dad about needs and ask him to pray. I did it right up until he passed. And one of my greatest questions after my dad passed was whose prayers are going to replace his? Jesus prayed. We're called to prayer, to pray passionately. But you see, the reason my dad prayed every day for us when we were in that house is because he loved us. Maybe we don't pray boldly because we don't care enough. Now you are ready to vote for that change of the sermon title, right? Time to feel guilty. Because maybe we don't really pray boldly or passionately because we don't care enough. I've stood at bedsides with families who were pleading with God for a loved one because they cared. How much should we care about our neighbors, our families, our friends, and even those we don't like? We need to pray boldly, but we've got to do it with passion. And we've got to care about those we're praying for. Secondly, if we want to learn how to pray boldly, we need to pray specifically and directly. They were praying specifically. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. There was earnest prayer by the church on Peter's behalf. For him to be spared, saved, brought out of prison, anything that would save his life. In Acts 16, verse 18, it says that when the owners, Paul and Silas, if you're not familiar with this, by the way, they were on their way to prayer when they got arrested. Interesting. And then when they got arrested, they prayed and sang. And prayed and sang and prayed. It sounds like they had worship. But what sparked it was Paul prayed for a demon to come out of a slave girl. And the demon came out. 
But those who owned the slave girl had been using her and her demon possession to make money. When they saw their money was drying up, they had Paul and Silas arrested. In fact, they were beaten, then arrested. And they were put into the center cell of the jail, which meant no lights, no windows, no anything. And they were also chained. And Paul and Silas, while in that position, decided to have worship. We complain about worship because somebody's sitting in our seat or it's too hot or too cold or too loud or too soft. Hello. They were sitting on the ground, chained, after being beaten just for serving God. And they said, you know, what a great time and place to worship. There was a wonderful old preacher who was preaching from this passage one time. And he said, you know, Scripture tells us that earth is God's footstool. And he said, I kind of imagine that the earthquake that happened that shook the jail, that opened the doors, that freed everybody or made it so they could be free, that God is in heaven. And he heard Paul and Silas singing and praying and praising. And he's like, there's my boys. And he's going, wait a minute, I know that song. And he started clapping and tapping his foot. You know, it's okay to do that in church, by the way. But if the earth is a footstool and God starts tapping his foot, he kind of shook things up in the process. When was the last time God shook you up while you worshiped? It's time to pray boldly, to pray specifically like Paul and Silas were, to pray specifically like the church was praying for Peter because the more specific you pray, the more powerful you pray. When you pray generically, Lord bless the missionaries, there is absolutely no passion. Plus, you have no idea if God answers that prayer. But you pray for Todd and Nikki Owens. If you don't know any other missionary to pray for, you can pray for them, by the way. I pray passionately for some missionaries. The more specific we pray, the more powerful we pray. Because we're naming names because we care. We've been called and it's time to pray boldly. If you want to pray boldly, pray in faith, believing. In faith, because we've been called to that. Believing, because God is able. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47, the day of Pentecost, Peter of all people is the one who preached 3,000 people. We looked at this a few weeks ago. God saved in one day. The church went from 120 to 300. Imagine, or it's 3,120. Imagine next Sunday us having another 3,000 people here. Only one. Some of you are going, well, where would I sit? You wouldn't. Because they were praying boldly. 
And then after that, they kept praying more because verses 42 through 47 said they were gathering together, sharing things together, and praying, and the Lord added to their number daily. Not weekly, monthly, or annually, but daily. Because they were praying. They were praying boldly. They were following what God had told them to do. And we need to pray in faith believing. I'm not sure that the church that was praying for Peter was believing. Because <laughs> when Rhoda came back and said, Peter's here, they're going, no, he's not. That's why we're praying. Well, what are you praying? We're praying he'd be free. Well, he's out here. No, he's not. How often do we pray that way? Oh, Lord, I'm praying for this. And God's going, I'm starting to do it. Are you even looking? Something's happened. Are you even noticing? God's been doing some amazing stuff around here, but I don't think a lot of us are noticing. It's time to pray boldly. And lastly, if we want to pray boldly, we need to pray expectantly and pray in God's will. Sometimes before we pray for a situation, we need to pray and say, Lord, what's your will in this situation? So that I am praying for it. Or if we're praying for something and God shows us that's not my will, then we change our prayer. We need to pray expectantly. Not like the church was praying for Peter. They were praying passionately and earnestly. They just weren't expecting God to answer. Or not that quick, maybe. What are you expecting from God? How are you praying? What are you ready to rejoice over as God answers those prayers? So let me ask you, what are you praying about? If you added your prayers up from the last week, what were they about besides asking him to bless your french fries? Were any of those prayers bold prayers? Let me just tell you, if you're asking to bless your french fries, that's not bold. Well, maybe it is because you're asking to bless something that's not very good anyway. Well, they taste good. They're, never mind. Are you praying boldly? And then let me ask you, do the things you're praying about require bold prayers? If you're praying for a parking spot close to the door at the store, that's not bold. Hopeful, but not bold. Praying for salvation is bold. Praying for healed marriages is bold. Praying for reconciliation in relationships is bold. Praying for our country to come back to God. That's bold. Praying for missionaries who are in countries who are under death threats by simply being there as believers. That's bold. Praying that God would use you this week to reach somebody for Christ. That's bold. Praying for the Ignite services that people would come in, lives would be changed, and it would light this town on fire. That's bold. Are you praying boldly? And I want to give you a chance to get started. Up here is a bunch of bold 
cards. I didn't want plain, boring white cards when we're talking about praying boldly. And what I'm going to invite you to do is to say, Lord, here's what I'm praying boldly about. And I'm going to invite you to come up as we conclude to grab a card or two and write down what you're praying for. If you're writing names, don't put last name because other people might see it, but you could pray a grandson, you could put a first name, you could do all that. Hand it to Dalen or Jody and they're going to stick a little Velcro on it and put it on our board and we're leaving it up there this week. And every day this week, I'm praying over this board. And anytime any of us are here in the building, you're welcome to come and pray over this board. It's going to be up all during Ignite. Who knows how long it's going to be there. And you can just keep adding stuff to it. But let's pray. And let's pray boldly that God would do the immeasurable because that's who he is. Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you're about to do. Thank you for the prayers that are about to be launched. Thank you that we are going to join together praying for one another. Lord, help us to pray expectantly, passionately, and help us to pray in faith, believing that you can and that you will. So Lord, give us courage in a moment to step out from where we are, to write it down and post it up, declaring this I pray for. And I thank you for answers that are on their way. In Jesus' name. Amen.